along the selvage of the scrub-girt plain, the old man looked long and earnestly. His eyes followed an indistinct track that had been cut by the cart, journeying at rare intervals to the distant township. At dawn some weeks back, it had creaked across the plain, and at a point where the scrub curved, the husband had stopped the horse while the woman parted the tilt and waved goodbye to the bent, irresponsive old man and his dog. It was her impending motherhood that made them seek the comparative civilization of the township, and the tenderness of her womanhood brought the old man closer to her as they drove away. Every week since that morning had been carefully notched by man and dog, and the last mark, cut three nights past, showed that time was up. Twice this evening he thought he saw the dust rise as he looked, but longer scrutiny showed only the misty evening light. He turned to where a house stood out from a background of scrub. Beside the calf pen near it, a cow gave answer and greeting to the penned calf. No use penning up the calf, he muttered. When they don't come, won't do it tomorrow night. He watched anxiously along the scrub. Calf must have got his head through the rails and sucked her. No one else can't have done it. Scrammy's gone, twarred Scrammy. But the gloom of fear settled on his wizened face as he shuffled stiffly towards the sheepyard. His body jerked. There was a suggestion of the dog in his movements, and in the dog, as he rounded up the sheep, more than a suggestion of his master. He querulously accused the dog of rushing him, set her alone, Billy, the leader, to lead him. When they were yarded, he found fault with the hurdles. Someone had been meddling with them. For two pins, he would smash them up with their axe. The eyes of the sheep reflected the haze-opposed glory of the setting sun. Loyally they stood till a grey quilt swathed them. In their eyes glistened luminous tears materialised from an atmosphere of size. The wide plain gauzed into a sea on which the hut floated lonely. Through its open door a fire gleamed like the red, steaming mouth of an engine. Beyond the hut... A clump of miles loomed spectral and wraith-like, and round them a gang of crows cawed noisily, irreverent of the great silence. Inside the hut, the old man, still querulous, talked to the listening dog. He uncovered a cabbage tree hat, his task of the past year, and laid upside down on the centre of the crown a star-shaped button that the woman had worked for him. It's all wrong, see, the dog said he did. T'won't do, he shouted, with the emphasis of deafness. The dog admitted it would not. And she done it like that to spile it on me, a purpose. She'd done it out of jealousy, cause I was making it for him. Could have done it better myself, though I'm no hand at fancy stitching. But she can't make it out like that. No woman could. They're no good. The dog did not dispute this condemnation. I told her to put an anchor just there, he continued. He pointed to the middle of the button, which he still held upside down. That's no anchor. The dog subtly indicated that there was another side to the button. There ain't, 
shouted the old man. What do you know about an anchor? You'd never see a real one on a ship in your life. There was an inaudible disparaging reference to impertinent colonials, which seemed to crush the dog. To mollify him, the man got on his knees and, bending his neck, showed the dog a faded anchor on the top of the cabbage tree hat on his head. A little resentment would have served the dog, but he was too eager for peace. Noting this, the old man returned to the button for reminiscences. And yet you tore at first a thing like that would do. There was a sign of dissent from the dog. You know you're dead, sir. And what's more, you don't bark at her like you used to. The dog was uneasy and intimated that he would prefer to have that past buried 